Hello, it's Paul Coulter here from Living Leadership, uh, bringing you the second of our five-part series in response to the coronavirus situation. In the first post in this series, we talked about the perspective that we can have with the help of the book of Daniel uh, and the rest of scripture on God's sovereign purpose through a time like this. And now we're going to shift our focus to the first of two responses, speaking hope. As gospel people, we want to speak hope to our neighbours amidst the current stress, and that's going to mean making the most of every opportunity, as we're commanded to do, to season our conversations with grace and to give a reason for the hope that is in us. We've got to be bold in sharing the gospel with others. The divine call to repentance and the promise of forgiveness and eternal life through faith in Christ, crucified for our sins and risen and exalted as Lord of all. We also need to think about how our conversation about the virus and its implications can spark interest in the reason for the hope that is in us and point people to ultimate realities. I think that means walking a line between two unhelpful approaches. On one hand, we mustn't join with the media, which seems to have little to do or say but fear-mongering. We're not people who fear what others fear, but people who fear only the Lord our God. On the other hand, we must avoid trite theological comments that, although they might be orthodox, show no compassion for those whose lives and livelihoods are under threat. We're not called to condemn the world, but in compassion to testify to the one who came to save it. We don't want to promote fear, but we must also avoid allaying fear falsely. Since it's likely that most of our speaking in coming weeks and months will be done online, there are specific implications for how we comment on social media. Messages of gospel hope, confidence in God's providence, assurance of the promise of God's good purposes for humankind in Christ are much needed. They must, however, be combined with honesty about the seriousness of our situation and the reality of people's pain and fear. This is a moment to remember God's covenant commitment to the endurance of humankind given to Noah and his family after the flood, along with Christ's transformation of suffering in God's redeeming purposes. The other aspect of our online communication in this time is likely to be that we're going to shift our preaching to technological means. And if we're live streaming or putting out pre-recorded messages, we should think through how to speak and where we speak from. I know we may want to stick to already planned series, but I would encourage you to think if that's the best thing. May this be a context that requires a fresh look at the portions of scripture that most readily speak to people in fearful situations. Perhaps Daniel with its assurances of divine provenance, or maybe Habakkuk's wrestle with God as he thought of the approaching Babylonians, or vignettes from the Gospels that draw our minds to the enduring nature of God's kingdom and the reassuring non-anxious presence, not my term, it's Rabbi Edwin Friedman, um, but the non-anxious presence of the Lord Jesus as he lived to his father's timetable in dependence on his father's loving care. Or what about a series in the Psalms exploring the dynamic of the life of faith in the midst of life's challenges? 
Whichever part of the scriptures we settle on, it's worth thinking about how our, our acts of shared worship can allow space for expression of the varied emotions that we're th- feeling, lament and distress, as well as joy and thanksgiving. It's also worth thinking about how your content can be creative uh, and keeping blocks of spoken teaching short enough for people to engage fully. Probably about 15 minutes uh, length is, is adequate. Finally, find ways to encourage community between people, perhaps through conference calls or group chat software, as well as maintaining a clear leadership in the Word of God. And we must also remember that needs of all age groups in the congregation uh, continue. Can you find a way to support families in building into the lives of their children? The cancellation of children's programmes doesn't have to mean a decline in the progress of little ones in the faith. Creative content for parents to use with their children, especially video content recorded by familiar children's workers, will go a long way to helping the family be a worshipping community in the home. And a final note here concerns the unity of the church in the gospel. These times provide another nudge towards a united approach for practical reasons. But it's my conviction that there are gospel reasons why we should already be seeking to work together in local gospel partnerships. Understanding each of our congregations as part of the whole church in our area rather than working in isolation. For that reason, I'd encourage you to pause as you make your plans to replace your gatherings and ask whether you might be able to do it better with others. If you are resource rich in technological proficiency, why not offer to facilitate other congregations who are not so rich in supporting their members? Or what about pulpit sharing online in this time so that there's a clear message together of God's faithfulness? Perhaps it's a moment to forge partnerships that should have been developed long ago. We're praying for you here in Living Leadership. We'd love to hear from you if you want to email us or use the form on our website, livingleadership.org. We really would love to be praying for you uh, in these times. And we're here to support you, particularly as leaders of God's people. May God bless you as you seek to be a blessing to others.